Sometimes I like to let that thing run just because I like the beat. Good afternoon, good evening, everybody, wherever you are in the world. Uh, welcome to season two of DPF on Tap, episode one. Uh, tonight we've got Chris in the DPF garage until his Wi-Fi goes out and then he's going to run inside. <laughs> we've got John um, and Dugan and uh, this is Mike uh, coming to you from the DPF basement bar. Um, so today what we're going to do is uh, we are going to go through... Uh, a few discussions, uh, a little bit about small ball and switch hitting uh, with Chris and John. Um, we are going to talk about some of the uh, NL East transactions with Dugan. Um, we're going to look at uh, who's left in the free agent market, uh, all-time Phillies rotation uh, as far as pitchers. Um, do the Phil Phillies already have a closer? We'll talk about that. Um, we'll do O Dumbass in the week, and uh, we will – Talk about a, uh, a stadium called Rickwood Stadium in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. So just a couple of quick housekeeping uh, pieces here. The DPF brass has been hard at work designing a new website. Um, so go check that out at uh, drunkphilsfans.com. It's on the ticker on the bottom. Um, we're having new uh, offerings for branded merchandise uh, so far. Um, Chris, if you could, well, we lost Chris. Chris has a, uh, he's back. He could show us the tumbler that we have, uh, branded DPF. Uh, and as we, uh, get new samples of merchandise, such as t-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, um, possibly fanny packs, maybe even slides and those kind of things, dog bowls. Um, we will put them on that website. You guys will be able to support DPF that way. Um, also available uh, custom-made bracelets from DPF Daughter. Please DM us uh, to order. Uh, right now in our house, I've got a Fuck the Mets, a Stott, and a Marsh on order. So um, anything uh, you guys want the DPF Daughter to put on a bracelet, uh, players' names, FTM, um, that kind of thing, DM us and we'll get that uh, situated for you. And then the last one, uh, before we kick off our content, this is a huge one on Saturday, May 18th, we'll have our first DPF group night at Citizens Bank Park. Um, really soon, the Phillies are going to give us a direct link for y'all to purchase tickets. Uh, so look out on our social media accounts and jump on tickets when they come out. Uh, we will definitely have a BYOB tailgate no matter what. So stay tuned for details on where that'll occur, but we are also in the planning stages of possibly an all you can eat, all you can drink option for a fee. So, um, like I said, as, as it gets closer to May 18th, again, Saturday, May 18th, it'll be our first group night out at Citizens Bank Park. Um, check out on this podcast for details as well as on all of our social media. So, with all that being said, um, Chris is trying to join, but John, um, if you want to take it away and start the hitting discussion, uh, we can uh, we can do that. Yeah, sure. Um, I was uh, I was we were coming up with topics for this week, uh, this week, and I was thinking maybe small ball and how how it became a lost art for a good long while, especially when the shift was. At, uh, 
a part of uh, the well, not the rules, but a part of everyday play. Uh, now, now that the shift is, uh, you know, uh, well, that's not completely gone, but it's restricted. Uh, I think we we should start seeing more, a little bit more, you know, hitting for average instead of launch angles, you know, and all this, all this Kevin Longstop. A lot of people think Kevin. I mean, I'm just going to talk specifically about the Phillies real fast, but uh, everybody thinks Kevin Long's this guru. I think he's just a guru for the guys that have played for him, like Schwarber, uh, Turner. Who else played for him? Did Harper play for him before? I forget. Yes. But like Schwerber. Yeah. Okay. Schwerber, Turner, Harper, like those guys. If I mean, if that works for them, but you got like Stott is never going to be like that power hitter, like slamming. He, he's got to, he's got to, you know, and he's, a, he was hitting great last year. So I want to, I want to see him even break out and be better. So like guys like that, Bohm, Rojas, like you need contact hitters. You need guys that hit for average, hit the gaps. Also, I mean, we said it all all last last season. Uh, bunting, got to bring some bunting back. And I'm not just talking about the Phillies. I'm talking about around the league. Like small ball needs to come back. You need to advance your runners, uh, specifically with the ghost runner. In extra innings. If you're the first one up and you got the ghost runner, I'm throwing down a bunt right away. First pitch, boom. Move the. I don't care. Try it out. You might get on base. If not, you advance that runner over to third. Now you got a shot at winning the game right away. But I mean, bunting, more stolen, you need more stolen bases. Just advance the runners. There's ways to advance the runner and score points, uh, score runs. I'm sorry, not points, score runs than just, you know, yakking everybody going up and just like swinging away. You know what I mean? What do you think, Chris? Uh, you know, sorry about the technical difficulties here. Uh, I got to get the garage wired for Ethernet or something because, like, uh, I was dropping off. Uh, so I'm in the uh, the DPF layer. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit similar about hitting, but I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, switch hitting here. So, and and not the type of switch hitting, John, you're used to. Um, <laughs> I was on a for you, man. You set that one up on a tee. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, here we go. Um, hey, so I'm going to start off with a little bit of a history lesson. Uh, it, it's short. It's not going to be boring. So around the advent of baseball in 1871, Bob Ferguson was known as the first switch hitter. Um, he didn't switch hit situally, situationally like we think now. Um, it wasn't like he was batting lefty against right-handers. It was kind of like how he felt against a certain pitcher. So that did not come into vogue until like the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Um, pinch hitting didn't take off uh, early on, even though this Bob Ferguson was good because he was apparently an asshole. And people thought if they were a switch hitter, like they would think, oh, he likes Bob Ferguson and they didn't want to be associated with him. So I thought that that was funny. Um Around 1951, uh, maybe the most prolific switch hitter in the history of the game came about. Uh, there's been no one better uh, since. So Mickey Mantle uh, hit from the left and right side, both with power. Um, at the time, switch hitting was around 4% of the league um, in 1951. Uh there were people that came after Mantle that you could say were as good as him or had, you know, a, a career like he did. Uh, and I'm thinking Eddie Murray, 
you know, Chipper Jones, guys that really hit well from both the left and the right side. So 25% of the league in 1989 was switch hitters, believe this or not, 25%. And it was led by the Cardinals. So if you remember that Cardinals team, they had five switch hitters in their everyday lineup. Terry Pendleton, Ozzie Smith, Willie McGee, Coleman, and Tom Herr. Five freaking switch hitters. Uh, it really went down from there. Right now, I can't think of uh, a switch. Well, two switch hitters that I would say are prolific. Jose Ramirez and probably Adley Rutschman. Uh, so the question is, like, is it going to go back up? And this segues into John's point. Why, why did switch hitting go away? Well, because hitting a fucking baseball is the toughest thing to do in the world. And to be able to do it good from two sides, it's it's almost impossible. Like that's like one in a billion winning the lottery twice in your life. Um, so a lot of these guys did it young and then don't do it. Cedric Mullins is one. He was a switch hitter. And then eventually he become a left-handed hitter because he's just better with it. He can focus in on it. Um, and for that reason, I don't think it's going to come back into vogue. Um, I, I don't think that someone like a Johan Rojas would be someone who, like 30 years ago, he would have hit switch hit because he sucks from both sides, but he's fast. And it would allow him to like platoon and or not have to platoon, right? right. Um, so I think that's what a lot of the reason why that came about. Right now, I think that there last year there was 12.5% switch hitters, which is like, it's a lot still. I don't think of it in that way because we don't really see it that much. There's only a few people that do it. Um, but people who qualified, it was 12.5%. I mean, I think that switch hitting is not only a lost art, I think it's just going to go away. It's too tough to do things great from both sides. Yeah, so what I was thinking was, uh, and John kind of touched on Stott, but, and you kind of ch- touched on Rojas. Like, I had just had a couple of questions for you guys. So, you know, do you think, A, the organization even wants them to, um, you know, become like that pure contact hitter? Um, and do you think it would add value, not just to the Phillies, but for them in their career as players, if they did concentrate not maybe on switch hitting but on contact hitting and bunting and that kind of thing being like maybe the leadoff and the number nine hitter in our lineup i mean mike it's a great question but like schwerber is exhibit a like hit 190 get on base 400 you know at 40 percent of the time and hit bombs like they're not rewarding someone who's hitting 340 they don't give a shit anymore they want you to hit you know 220 with you know 20 home runs and yeah. 60 to 80 RBIs. So I, I don't wild. see, unless organizationally they're kind of making a change, it doesn't benefit a player because they're out for contracts and they're not giving anyone a contract on it, you know, a, a contact hitter. They're just not. I mean, everything seemed to change with the, with the growth of analytics and they kind of made the strikeout became just a regular out where before it was an out nobody wanted to make. You know, now the strikeout is they just go, oh, that's just another out. So these guys are all swinging from their ass, you know, to try and hit home runs. And, and you've kind of lost that art of, of being a contact hitter. And I think that might also lead to the downfall of, of being a, of the switch hitters, because why are you going to try to learn to hit for power from both sides? 
let me stay to my dominant side and and swing from my ass from that side and, and that's yep. a, that you know that's really an analytical thing and and a, a philosophy change in baseball um you know we're all you know upper 40s and and we remember the game being played with twitch hitters and small ball and hit and run and and taking the extra base and the button to move runners up you know um, almost automatically, everybody in the ballpark knew it was a fun situation and it, and it was going to happen. And, and today's game is just not played that way. And until teams go back that way, I think you're going to see a further degradation of, of, of quality hitters. You know, I mean, if you look like, like, like certain statistics, like war, I mean, a rise, a rise in, in Florida, he might be the best hitter in baseball. Statistically, when you put him up against the way all these metrics go, Schwarber and him are the same guy, you know, and it, 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 right. it doesn't make sense. Like, I, I would pick a rise any day of the week, you know, if I needed a base hit, you know, over Schwarber. Um, yep. it, it's just, it's just, uh, yeah, the ph- philosophy of baseball has really changed approach of, of the hitters, and analytics has a lot to do with that. Yeah. I, oh, uh, speaking of switch hitters, Chris, this is, um, not to get off the topic, have any of you guys seen this guy? I don't know if he's coming over. I don't know if he's just staying over in Japan. Seen a video of this guy over in Japan. After each pitch, he he switches sides of the plate. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, Don no. already. They deferred. <laughs> his contract. His contract's deferred till twenty fifty seven. But yeah, after every pitch, it was nuts. And I'm like, would that even work here with the pitch count? It's like, all right, now he's got to switch. And it's like, wait, like after every pitch, he would just like, hold on, time, and then he'd go to the other side. But we only get one timeout. But I, I just thought that was fascinating. Uh, that brings up an interesting point, too, with, with these Japanese players coming over here now and and uh, the pitchers particularly, how are they going to handle the pitch clock? I mean, yeah. Typically, they're they're fast workers anyway. The Japanese pitchers they don't they don't mess around. They seem to catch and throw, so it may not be an issue. But you know, when you get runners on base, you know, we won't we won't know we won't know Dugan because we're not signing any of them. Yeah, we'll have to stay up late and watch the West Coast games, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but that'd be an interesting it's interesting to watch. We'll get to some comments in a minute, but the uh, comments is heating up over this batting discussion. So I appreciate you guys bringing that up. Awesome. Dugan, you want to transition into uh, NL East? Yeah, I just, I, I you know, I figured we're, we're like a month or so out from, uh, you know, spring training start. And so I wanted to take a look at, like, we all know what the Phillies have uh, have done this offseason, which is pretty much nothing. You know, they, <laughs> they've kind of re-signed NOLA, signed some of their guys that were arbitration eligible, haven't really gone out and made a big splash or gone out and got, you know, a new guy, someone that's going to make an impact on the team other than what we've already had. So I wanted to take a quick look around the division and just kind of see how active the rest of the division has been um, with some of their key, key loss and, and, you know, key moves that they've made. Uh, So we'll start at the bottom here with the nationals and uh, they've been pretty quiet too. Um, Typical. I mean, they, you know, the Nationals were garbage last year. I don't expect anything from them. Um, they had two key losses, Matt Adams, a first baseman, Willie Peralta, their, uh, a relief pitcher. Uh, they retained a few guys, whether it was through re-signing them or arbitration. Pitcher Taylor, Tanner Rainey, 
the center fielder, Victor Robles, and the right fielder, Lane Thomas, who I really like Lane Thomas, was a guy I want the Phillies to target last year at the deadline. Um, their one signing, they signed, uh, you know, third baseman Nick Senzel. So they, they really haven't lit the free agency world on fire. They'll, they'll probably be, again, the bottom of the division, not a team the Phillies really are going to need to worry about, although they do struggle against them almost every season. Um, then we'll move on to the Mets. Uh, some of the key losses for the Mets, uh, Carlos Carrasco, Adam Ottavino, big boy Danny Vogelbach, uh, Luis Guillermo, the second baseman, uh, hungry, hungry hunter, Tommy Hunter, retired relief pitcher. Um, they kept a couple guys uh, from last year, the catcher Navarez, Brooks Raley, a pitcher, DJ Stewart, a right fielder. They did make some signings, uh, Joey Wendell. Luis Severino, Austin Adams, Mike Tonkin, Jorge Lopez, uh, Harrison Bader, and Sean Manaya. Um, they added. So most of that was pitching that they added. Uh, they made one trade where they got acquired like three guys in one trade. Adrian Hauser, a relief pitcher, Tyrone Taylor, an outfielder, and Johan Ramirez, a relief pitcher. I don't see anything really impactful that the Mets have done that's going to move their needle too much based on what they lost last year. Um, Harrison Bader is an interesting guy. He, you know, a couple years ago, he was a highly touted young guy coming up with the Yankees um, had one really good season. It's kind of been, you know, mediocre ever since I guess the Mets are hoping he catches fire um, and just back to the player that he was supposed to be. Uh, the Marlins, again, another team that really hasn't done much either. The, the East has been kind of quiet in, in the free agency. Um, some of their key losses, they lost Jorge Solar, Joey Wendell, our boy David Robinson, Matt Barnes, Johnny Cueto, Jorge Alfaro, Alfaro and uh, Jacob Stallings. Um, they retained a couple guys, Josh Bell, John Birdie, A.J. Puke, and J.T. Charwa. And they made a trade for catcher Christian Betancourt. So really not much. They kept it, kept a few of their guys at it, Betancourt, but lost, you know, Solaire and Joey Wendell and Stallings, who were three big guys for them last year. Um, then we come to the Braves. And the Braves are obviously, they're loading up to beat the Phillies. And that that's clearly what they're doing. A lot of their moves are relief pitchers, a lot of lefties um, that they, they, they've acquired either through trade or signing guys. Um, they kind of picked up some, some guys, a lot of division guys, they, 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 you know, guys seem to stay in this division. They just kind of move from team to team. Um, a couple of their losses, Jesse Chavez, pitcher, Kevin Pillar, Brad Hand, Colin McHugh, Eddie Rosario, and they traded, uh, the once promising starter, Soroka was part of a deal. Uh, they traded him away. They ended up keeping... Uh, retaining a few guys, whether it was arbitration guys or just re-signing Joe Jimenez, Charlie Morton, Jackson Stevenson, Penn Murphy, Oscar Noah, A.J. Minter, and Max Freed. Uh, they went out and signed Renato Lopez and Angel Perdermo, a couple of relief pitchers, and Guillermo from the Mets, second baseman. And then they made some trades. They acquired, uh, I can't ever pronounce this guy's name from the Mariners, left fielder Kalenic, Jared Kalenic. And Marco Gonzalez and Evan White from the Mariners, uh, left fielder, starting pitcher, and a first baseman. And the big addition was Chris Sale uh, to their starting rotation. So they're obviously, they're gearing up. A lot of these guys, um, they also acquired a, a Aaron Bummer. He's a left-handed 
relief pitcher. So they're obviously, you know, getting bounced by the Phillies two times in the last two years in the playoffs after having, you know, 100 win seasons. They're, they're looking to uh, kind of counteract the Phillies' big left-handed bats in our lineup with, with some of these guys. You know, their rotation's probably going to be, you know, Strider, Freed, Sale, um, uh, Morton, and what the last Elder. Guy? Elder, yeah. I mean, on paper, it looks like a great rotation, you know. But Freed gets hurt every season. Charlie Morton gets hurt every season. And Chris Sale's been hurt his whole career. Yep. So, and he stinks. And he, he stinks. Yeah. And he yeah, stinks. Yeah, he's been good here probably since 2017 or 2018. So, yeah. yeah I, I, I think on paper they look good. But, you know, the paper champions, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they do. But, you know, right now we all know the Phillies haven't done much. They're, you know, John will get into who's out there left that the Phillies can possibly uh, acquire. But, you know, I, I think, you know, the division, it's a two-team race in this division. You know, it's obviously it's the Braves and, and, and the Phillies. And the Braves, you know, during the regular season last year, really outclassed the Phillies. Um, and I, I, I'd love to see that become a more of an even battle and the Phillies actually have an opportunity to, to win this division um, and not, not get in as a wild card. Um, but that's going to, you know, that's going to take the Phillies coming out of the gate playing fast. You know, we've fallen behind every year to the Braves. They come out playing fast, and we're we're eight games below five hundred. Come you know, come the middle of May. So, um, but the Braves are the Braves are definitely gearing up, you know, to beat the Phillies. That's that's what these moves are all all lined up to do, um, and, and the Phillies need to do something to to answer that. Agreed. I mean, yeah. You would think that the Braves are going to stand pat, right? Like, why would you change anything? Like, right? Man, what the hell would you change? I mean. So, but and they've done things. I mean, I guess they haven't been successful, so that's why you do things. And the Phillies are like, "Hey, we made it this far with what we have." But. Yeah, I mean, they're not with the same lineup. It's more of the back end, the rotations. You know, the back of the rotation, the back of the bullpen. They're they're trying to make changes. And you know, during the regular season last year, they were both you know great. And you always know, like the Braves, like Charlie Morton gets hurt. They find some kid down at AAA. He comes up and he throws seven. You know, he goes seven and zero with like a three ERA. You know. Yeah. And then Martin Morton comes back. You know, they they got guys that they just pluck and and, and come in and, and they do the job for them. The Braves have a great, you know, great organization, but Yeah, I think I was always jealous of that. You know, like we would bring up Joe Roa and they'd bring up, you know, Spencer Strider. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's just so odd. Like and I don't know. I maybe they're not afraid to bring up the twenty one year old and we are. We're like, hey, well wait till he's twenty four, then he like isn't good anymore. Yeah. Never that, was that, good. That was the the shocking thing last year. How quickly they they brought Kirkering along. You know, like they that that's yeah. odd for the Phillies to 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 do something like that. You know, yeah. they haven't really done it with a starting pitcher yet. You know, I guess they were going to try with Painter before he got hurt. Right. You know, yeah. um, so maybe maybe it is a shift in the Phillies thinking and say, hey, let's get these guys are ready. Let's get them going. You know, what good is it? Go win all the games you want. You know, who cares if they're winning games down with the Iron Pigs? You know come up here and help us to win games, you know? So yeah. maybe it's a what always, um, what always impressed me about the Braves is if you think about it, like I hate the Braves. So I'm just saying I'm, I respect their game as far as bringing up the players. If you think of it, if you go back over the years, um, how many people have they brought in for free agency? Like they've homegrown a lot of their guys, yeah. like a lot of their, their guys that became stars. 
came through our system. Now, there was free agency signings, of course, here and there, but I mean, for the most part, a lot of the guys came up through our ranks. Uh, you know, the, you don't like you said, Duke, you don't see the Phillies doing that too often. Well, you think um, about the best era of Phillies baseball that 07 through 11, that was that was all them guys that was homegrown, you know. Yes, yeah, guys that played together their, their whole career, and, and it, it does make a difference instead of you know, just kind of picking parts and trying to make it all fit, you know, right? So, yeah, yeah, the Braves do it right, the Braves, the Braves do it right, you know, and they're good, they're competitive every year. No, can't beat us in the fucking playoffs, though. <laughs> right. Well, like to your surprise, point, though, okay, they identified that and they did something about it. Who yeah. knows if it'll work or not? But um, you know, we we haven't, you know, we haven't figured that out, or at least, you know, it ha- it's not. Dombrowski might have it in his head, but it's not evident to any of us. Like what our strategy is to get better. Our strategy is, it looks like trot the same team out and hope we do better. Yeah. 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 I'm surprised. Uh, surprised the Braves gave up Harris, Michael Harris and cash for Chris sale. Like that was wild to me. Like, uh, you know, if you're giving up one of your prospects, like you give them up for someone else, like a, a more pitcher of stature, you don't give up one of your best prospects for Chris sale. But I mean, I, I, I think we were talking about. I think you might have mentioned it, Mike. Somebody mentioned it that it's more like for the end game. Like if he could stay healthy, it's more for the playoffs. Like keep him healthy, maybe bring him in for like long relief or something in the playoffs. That's but, a big if. Yeah, that is a mighty big if. Yep. So let's uh, dive in here. Um, Shell, we're going to show, well, Shell Hammer, we're going to call him Shell. Hello from Skook. I love that. Um, the Skook. He also, the Skook. He also says, agree, hit to get on base, it's basic fundamentals. Uh, yeah, we like dingers, but uh, when we have runners in scoring position, let's get them in, like, you know, a hit with runner in scoring position. How many times did we say, you know, last year, while well, we were three for 15 with runners in scoring position, or Oh, for seven with runners in scoring position, so on and so forth. So, um, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, agreement here on small ball, Patty, Nancy, um, and to William's point, bunts don't secure big contracts. It's too selfish the game anymore. So, yeah, that's a fact. Kicks um, take the long ball, and so do owners. Yeah. It's what puts asses in seats, right? Yeah. Bud, happy new year. Fuck the Mets. That's our first fuck the Mets of the new year, I, I believe. It's always nice go. to see. It's a little uh, late in the uh, comments, but <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, I think um, Shell is saying Vince Coleman. I don't know if you missed his first name. Maybe I said uh, Gary Coleman. I maybe I don't know. I don't you know. Have said Gary Coleman. <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> 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 Excuse me, Bud. Uh, don't forget a bunt would have changed the season at the end of the season. I, I agree. I think we talked about it when it happened. Um, where's Thomas Nito? Can somebody t- remind me who Thomas Nito is? Got us. Shell. Uh, Tom Nieto. 
I think he's talking Nieto? about Nieto. Maybe a, yeah. Yeah, like an old catcher. I don't know. Maybe that's what he's talking about. <laughs> maybe. Phil uh, Negro. <laughs> maybe. Los Garcia hit bombs and throw gas. Yeah. So that's the other flip side of maybe we'll do an, a segment on actually pitching, right? So um there was a there was a guy we've talked about on here. I think Dugan, you said who is your favorite non-Philly? And I threw out Maddox, right? What do he throw? 85 miles an hour, but he could paint and he never walked anybody. And if you don't throw 95 to hundred miles an hour these days, you don't usually get trotted out there. Um, he wouldn't, said, even, wouldn't even get scouted today, Matt. Nope. It's, it's crazy to me. Uh, Bud says, how many right-handed guys bat left? You, would you say 12.5% uh, of the league is switch hitters? Yeah, right now. Yeah. So I would say that's about how many. <laughs> I wonder if he's talking about like Bryce Harper, like a guy that throws right-handed but hits left. Oh, I see what you're saying. I Maybe, I don't know. We'll have to dive into that. I don't know the answer to that one. Yeah. That's more common than the other way, throw left and hit right, for sure. Yep. I think Ricky Henderson's the only one I could think of. Yeah, Ricky Henderson did it. Definitely, yeah. Uh-huh. Let's see. I guess everybody's saying you sound good now, Chris. Two or three of those. Um, Marlon signed no one. Yeah, no signing for the Marlins. Yeah. Well, they, no, they got Tandick. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, they did. Yeah, that's a Wait. big acquisition. Los Garcia, do we have a LA fan on here? Uh oh, that's that. cool. Welcome here, man. Uh, just as, like you, you, maybe they're going to buy a DPF on tap, and you know, rebrand it as talk? you know Dodger Town, <laughs> Dodger Dog. Do we tell them the bad? Do we tell him the bad news? All his comments will be deferred to the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) I like Uh, this one. Besides Wheeler, the Phils have no rotation. Sorry, but Nola blows, and I don't trust Suarez going more than three innings. So it's funny because Suarez three innings, just not the first, second, and third. I like that. I saw something like the Phillies rotation <laughs> is ranked like second in baseball. I, I don't know. It was ranked, first. Yeah. First, till the Braves got sale. And then they put the Braves first. Which shows they need a drug test. Like, yeah, like if sale career. added to the Braves, like, ascend you to number one. Like, yeah. You're, you're on drugs. Like, sale and two, two, yeah, 42 guys are almost 40. The shell yeah. shell hammers on fire today. Only thing Atlanta can't buy is heart. That's right, baby. That's I true. agree with that. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Let's see what else we got here. <laughs> How come you guys still support deadbeat data? What what's your what's your pops talking about? I don't know. I, Boston, the kid from Boston is an illegitimate kid in Boston. No, 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 no. Did you the, like ever catch up? Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the, the paternity test came back. It was false, Pop. <laughs> but no, I don't know. Maybe maybe we mentioned the player or something. I don't know. I think it's you, John. I tell, 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 us, ta- tell, us who, talking- tell, tell us who you mean, Pop. <laughs> 
while you while we're waiting, Fred says what's up, and that since 1960 or sorry, sorry, 1920, 62 players batted right and threw left. We got our crack research team uh, in the background. (laughs) There you go. Awesome. Freddie Short coming up big there. And then Bud's my new favorite because I've been screaming about this for a long time. Why don't we stop? And then uh, your pops wants Snell. Eh. John. I mean, if he's he's what's left, I mean, I'll get to that in a little bit. I don't have to hate for Snell. The guy's a two-time... I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I just feel like Bring me like Snell. It, I don't give a shit. He's a two time. At this point player. in his career, that's the best year he's had. And it's like, I don't know. Like he hasn't been consistent. He like he won a Cy Young and then it was a year and it was like he won a Cy Young. It's like, are we gonna go down or up? Like I'm just worried about well, throwing money he, at him and then at least he does it in years. Philly staff right now. How many Cy Youngs are on the Philly staff right now? That's that's true. That's Zero. true. I mean, come on! I, I, and at I, least, at least he goes up and down over a year period. Not, I'm uh, not down on him. I'm not down. I'm not down on picking him up. There's just like maybe like another guy I would like before him. But I mean, if he's there, I mean, if we get him, we get him. I'll root for him. Bauer's going to come a lot cheaper than those guys. I mean, yes, he will. You know, and and you know, it could be one of those, you know, low risk, high reward signings if things don't work out. Uh oh. Uh oh. The FTC took Dugan off for talking about Bauer. Um, last one here and we'll we'll move on. Um Blondes and Brunettes. It's a brewery, uh pretty new brewery. I've been there once. It's uh it's pretty decent. Um I'm sure Chris you've been there, but they say what's up, guys. So pretty cool. Yeah, we have to uh we have to get over there as a group, uh, but I'm yeah. a like a Richie and Harry. Like, you know what? If you have some beers you want us to drink and uh, show on the show, send them our way. Blondes and brunettes. We're we're not against uh, free beer and promoting people for beer. We're we're all about yeah. that. So <laughs> we're, we're into that. <laughs> we are into that. Oh, Dugan's back. <laughs> the FTC let you back on. I don't know what happened there, man. I, I don't know. I couldn't hear you guys. I was here. I just. I could. I had to put in my buds. I couldn't hear you anymore. Maybe you, you got gone. the garage Wi-Fi. <laughs> Maybe. Fox you guys need to, need to upgrade to premium package or something. Yeah, seriously. All right, guys. We'll roll into oh dumbass. So uh, for those of you who are new in the new year, I'll give a quick recap on oh dumbass. So as you all, uh, if you're fans of the Phillies, you remember Odubel Herrera and. Uh, Odubel Herrera used to make a lot of dumb decisions, both in the outfield at the plate and on the base pads. And so I started calling him Oh dumbass and with a couple of friends. And, uh, when we started this podcast, I was telling these guys this story and they said, well, why don't you do a, um, segment called the Oh dumbass of the week. So that's how we came up with this, and uh, it's been fun researching these things uh, over the last, you know, however long we've been doing this, nine months or so. So this week's Oh Dumbass comes to you from Copenhagen, Denmark, technically from Russia, but I'll get to that part. Um, so picture this, ladies and gentlemen, there's a flight from Copenhagen, Denmark to LAX, uh, Los Angeles, California. Um, as you might as you might know, that's an international flight. And um, they there's 
first of all, if you've done any travel since 9-11, it's really, um, it's really hard to get on a plane without a ticket or a passport for international, that kind of thing. Well, flight crew noticed during their flight from Copenhagen to LAX that a gentleman was in a seat where no one was supposed to be. It was supposed to be an unoccupied seat. During the flight, this gentleman was wandering around from seat to seat, trying to engage, you know, multiple people in conversation. And these people are like, you know, who is this guy? They're trying to just, you know, take their flight and maybe, you know, sleep or whatever they were doing. And uh, he also um, acquired a couple of different meals at, at different meal times that weren't his. <clears throat> so the plane lands. And as you might imagine, the U.S. authorities were there. Uh, to ask this gentleman a few questions. Well, turns out he was from Russia and he told the authorities first that he had no ticket and he had no passport. Then after further questioning, he said he had left his passport on the plane, which when the authorities went to look, uh, that was false as well. There was no passport on the plane. Um, then he told them he hadn't slept in three days and therefore he didn't know what was going on and that he might have had a ticket to the U.S., but he couldn't remember. He wasn't sure. Then finally, he claimed not to remember how he even got through security in Copenhagen Copenhagen, or what he was doing there in the first place. So um, this gentleman was charged with being a stowaway on an international flight into the United States, which is a felony. And his trial is actually last week in um, um, court in federal court in Los Angeles. Uh, he was found guilty of stow, stowing away. They're now trying to decide where to um, deport him to. Usually in these circumstances, they would deport the person to the uh, original um, flight where it took off from in Copenhagen. But since he has no passport and he claims he's from Russia, um, they're trying to figure out whether they're going to send him to Copenhagen or Russia. And that my friends um, is scary because he was able to get through security and onto an international flight with no passport, no ID, no ticket, no anything. And that this is this week's Oh dumbass of the week. So that's wild. <laughs> Unbelievable. Roman, who's, who's the Oh dumbass him or TSA? Yeah. Well, yeah. well Copenhagen TSA, <laughs> whatever that yeah. is. Jesus. You know what? So, Throw, throw them all in the fucking gulag. <laughs> Let them battle exactly. it out. <laughs> cool, man. John, you're up. All right. Uh, so uh, we've been talking in off season about, you know, uh, who we'd like to get signed, who we, ha you know, who's, and we're slowly watching people come off the list and Dave is standing pat. Uh, uh, I have a small, I mean, the list is getting smaller. So, I mean, Imanaga just signed with the Cubs. That was my guy. I wanted, I wanted to gr maybe hopefully grab him on like a three year deal with a club option fourth or four year with a club option fifth, which is, and the Cubs got him at a pretty reasonable friggin' price. We could have thrown a little bit more money at him. What'd he get? Like four years, 53 million, I think. I was, I was thinking we could have thrown, gave him 60 or something. And he's getting, I think he's getting two club option years, 20 and 25 and 26. But I mean, that that's not really that bad of a deal. We could have did that. And um, 
I hear people saying there's concerns about him. I don't know. I'm not concerned. The guy just pitched his ass off in the World Baseball Classic. I've I seen enough. The dude was a stud. And I, I looked at his stats are pretty decent. But, um, yeah, he went to the Cubs, unfortunately. So um, I still think we need a starter. I agree, Papa John. Uh, we can't stand Pat. And who's left? But we were just talking about, you know, Snell's left. Montgomery, I was just talking to you guys, what was that, last night or the other night, about, you know, um, we might have to outbid Texas for uh, Montgomery. Because especially with the Grom and uh, Scherzer out for a good while until, like, maybe in the beginning of summer, midsummer, one of them is. Uh, they're both out for a while. So they're, they're going to need, you know, to hold up that rotation for a while. And, they you know, we might have to outbid them. And, I mean, they just won the championship with them, so it's like – it's not like they got to twist his arm. So, I mean, hopefully maybe we could entice him. But if not, like I was telling Dugan, I, I'm not down on Snell. I don't mind. I wouldn't mind having him. I just, like, there was other guys I was looking at before him. But, um, and, like, Mike's guy, Trevor Bauer, man. Like, why not? The dude was exonerated. He'll be cheap. Low-risk, high-reward. But you don't give him a big contract, like, if, if you were to bring him in. Like, He's 32, so give him like three years maybe. And it's kind of like, you know, kind of like a prove-it deal. Wouldn't you guys agree? Like, you know, it's pretty much you're coming back. Like, even though you're exonerating all, it's kind of like, all right, well, let's let's see what you could do. I don't I don't know if I'd go three-year on him. I think it'd be a one-year. It's like a one-year prove-it? Yeah, I mean, he, he's been at it for almost two years now. True, um, true. I, I would want to see what he had before I committed to any kind of longer than a or year. Maybe deal. would you do like one year and a club option year? Maybe. Yeah. Any any time you have a club option, I enjoy that because then they 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 decide if they want to keep them or not. You know. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, so I would I would do that if that would be like the the breaking point. You know, if that was the difference between what we were offering them and and someone else was, then yeah, because you can always decline the option, pay them a small payout, and and be done. You know. Right. And uh, yeah. there's another – this is going to rattle people's nerves. It even rattles my nerves even mentioning it. But here's a scenario, hypothetically. What if Dave just says, you know what? We got this kid, Mick Abel, down there. He's pitching good. Let's see what he's got in camp and throw him in the rotation. I don't know how I feel Fuck about it. it, but, I mean, I could see him doing that shit. I could see the Phillies as the organization doing that shit. I mean, just like, ah, you know what? We're, we're not going to spend. We do need a starter, but let's see how that the kid was pitching good at the end of the year. We brought him up the Lehigh Valley. Let's see how he does in camp. I don't know if that's an option or not. But, I mean, I hope it's not. Like, I, I would like a name, the starter. Either Snell, like Snell, Montgomery, Bauer. That's like my top three. I don't know who else is out there. I mean, Urias would have been if he wasn't a piece of shit. But, you know. um. And I heard I posted on the page the other day. Uh, well, Stevenson's out. The, the, the Phillies were in, like looking at Hicks, Jordan Hicks, and Stevenson, but Stevenson just, I think, got orbit, arbitration today or something. So I think that's out. But uh, as relievers, but I mean, yeah, we need pitching. Outfielders, uh, I got a few names. One we would have to trade for. I think we mentioned it last episode. I wouldn't mind see, sniffing around. I heard the Rays are kind of shopping them slightly. Randy Rosarena. Wouldn't mind seeing about him. You know, um, 
you'd have to trade for him. I don't know what they would want for him, but free agent wise, Michael A. Taylor solid. You could start him in center field. He he had a nice season with the bat last year. Maybe he could help with a little pop. Uh, Duvall, Duvall off the bench. You could you know use him to spell somebody here and there. I saw somebody post uh, what about Mitt, Whit Merrifield? I don't know how you guys would feel about that, but I mean these are just like guys. I'm thinking about, you know, we could plug in. But uh, my major concern is a starter, and uh, I'm just going to finish it off with one thing before I pass it off. Last year, I was not – I was rooting for this kid all year. As you know, I was I was his biggest hype man, Kirkering, from like the lowest the lowest of ranks all the way up. And um, if the Phillies are – if the Phillies are willing to do that with a guy and see that a guy's playing his balls off, then my candidate this year to come up at some point, not right away. I doubt it's going to be right away, but maybe later in the year for a playoff run. I think Andrew Baker's ready. I think Andrew Baker will be up by the end of the year. If not before September, definitely September. The dude, the dude pitched his balls off last year. He had a great, uh, Arizona fall league, uh, for the um, what was their name? Uh, Scottsdale Scorpions. That's right. Um, he pit and they, and they made the playoffs in that league, and he he pitched phenomenal. I got to catch a couple games online. I think uh, that would help the bullpen. It's you know you don't have to go out and sign somebody. It's the next you know you can just call him up. But um, what what you guys thoughts on who's left and uh, who would you want to bring in? So my opinion of this is like I wonder like I wonder if we asked Dave and you know he whispered in our ear like we're not doing anything until the until the break and we're gonna trade and that's what we're gonna do. We're not gonna sign a free agent. We just want to rental, we want to win, and we're just gonna get someone for the rest of the year. I, I'm kind of fine with that. Like that dude from Boston who's I mean from uh, Milwaukee who's like not coming back into the second half, like I'd be totally down with that. Send one of the non-hitting great outfielding outfielders uh and someone else like for for that dude um i i don't see the need for a starting pitching i see a need to pick up like you know this fucking dude i don't want to say his name he pitched like a lot of innings we got to figure that out first you know nothing's changed about the starters like it's the same dudes so they're gonna pitch the same i think we have to like worry about that back end person like picking up those extra innings and i don't i'll talk about it later but i don't know if we have it i i uh i'm wondering if the phillies didn't paint themselves into a corner as far as starters go with with that contract that they gave walker because they obviously they can't move it they have zero confidence in the guy because they didn't i mean he didn't even throw a pitch in the playoffs last year um they obviously like sanchez more than they like Walker because he did pitch in the playoffs. So it's like, do they want a $20 million guy unhappy being kicked to the bullpen? Or are you going to kick Sanchez to the bullpen um, to bring in another starter? So I think they might be a little tied, you know, with what, with, yeah. with, with, you, you only, you only have five starters, you know? Um, I mean, six when they brought in Lorenzen last year, but I don't think they do that for a full season. Um, I don't trust Walker. I mean, I, I think his numbers were, his win total was totally deceiving last year. He did not pitch like a 15-game winner, uh, especially in the second half. Um, so I would love to upgrade. I just don't know if they can because they, they – they, what do you do with him? I mean, he's never pitched out of the bullpen. Um, 
the money, you're not going to move it unless you eat some, you know, which I don't care. The Phillies have more money than God, so they could do yeah. whatever they want money-wise. Uh, but but who – I mean, is he desirable? You know, does anybody want Walker, you know? Um, so I think I think they're kind of hamstrung. I think they got to focus, like Chris said, you know, on the back end. Right now, I, I'd be good with trading for a starter midseason. You know, I mean, obviously, I'd love to start with, like, a stud, get a guy in here – have a have a really solid you know five man rotation, but um, if if it has to wait to the break, you know to the to the trade deadline to to solidify it, I, I'm good with that as long as we have we've made the move moves in the bullpen to solidify the back end of the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. good point. Yeah, cool. You know how I feel, so. I'm I'm bowing out of this one. I won't bow. Yeah, well, what's Walker? Walker's got two more years left, right? I think it was a four-year deal. I think he's got three years. Oh, I thought it was three. I think it was a four-year, eighty million. Oh, Fuck shit. it, pay him not to play. Pay that dude not to play. They, they I was going to say not to play. So I was going to say you just toss him wherever you want him this year and deal with it. If he's a you know, if next year's his last year, you figure out how to get rid of him. Whatever, but. He's got three more years. Sure. I think it's three. I think it was a four-year, $80 million deal. Yeah. I think it's like with the Mets. Like, you, we, we trade with them or, get, you know, get guys that have been there. Like, I think we've gotten lucky with a few. Dykstra, McDowell, and Zach Wheeler. The rest are like, you know, they fucking Fuck Greg Jeffries. <laughs> stinks. Yeah. <laughs> he stinks. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Wagner. Yeah, Billy Wagner. He's getting in the Hall of Fame. He's getting in the damn Hall of Fame. And it's crazy because he's never led the league. That's crazy. Yet he has a ton of them, but he's never led the league in it. Plus, he's an asshole. (laughs) Did you guys see the video of Papelbon and Eric Kratz, I think, was interviewing him? Yep. Yeah, great it's interview. fucking awesome. Like, it's oh, I didn't a see that. Great interview. Like, I I don't like Papelbon, but I like him a lot more than I did before I saw it. I like I Kratz know. a lot more. Kratz got Papelbon to admit he's soft. Yeah. Well, yeah. I gotta. Yeah. Where's that? Where's that out on YouTube? I I'll gotta watch it. that. I'll send it to you after this. Yeah, send me. It. Yeah, I gotta watch that. I didn't catch yeah, it's that good. One. It's good stuff. All right, Chris, you want to roll into uh, Philly's rotation? Yeah, yeah, I got it. So, um, yeah, so I wanted to look back at, you know, Phillies have had a lot of great starting pitchers over the years, and I want to try and narrow it down to the five best if I could. And I actually couldn't get it to five. I'm at, I got it to seven. Um, so I have the seven top Philly starters in no particular order, and I'm just going to throw out some stats on these guys. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a couple guys left off the list that people will be like, how could you leave these guy, this guy off? And my like my number one criteria was uh, how many games they won. You know, were you a winning pitcher? You know, so that's kind of what I I base it off of. So I'm going to start from the Tyron guy Walker. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I'm going I'm going to start from uh, start from the guy who is the the oldest that played the first season the longest ago. So this guy's first season with the Phillies was in 1911. He played eight season with the Phillies. He accumulated 190 wins, 91 losses with a 2.18 ERA, had 14 over 1,400 Ks, 
And here's where you start seeing the way the game was played differently. He had 280 starts with the Phillies, 61 shutouts, and 219 complete games. So 78% of his starts were complete games, and 22% were shutouts. Uh, that's uh, Grover Alexander from 1911 with the Phillies. He played eight seasons with the Phillies. Um, the next guy started his first season with 1947, played 13 seasons with the Phillies. Record not great as far as wins lost, 115 wins, 110 losses, 3.66 ERA. But another guy, 263 starts, 41% complete games, 6.8 shutout percentage. Uh, Kurt Simmons, 115 and 110 in his eight, uh, 13 seasons with the Phillies. Um, next was 1948 was his first season, 14 seasons with the Phillies. He went 234 and 199 with a 3.46 ERA, 472 starts, 272, which were complete games. So about 58% complete game rate and a 7.4% shutout rate. Uh, Robin Roberts, 234 and 199, uh, 132 and 127 with a 3.38, 301 starts, 88 complete games, 29% complete game rate, 8% shutouts with 24 shutouts in his career with the Phillies. Chris Short, he went 132 and 127. And then uh, 1972, we get the lefty Steve Carlton, 241 and 161, a 600 winning percentage for the Phillies, 3.09 ERA. Over 3,000 strikeouts. He had 499 starts with the Phillies, 185 complete games, 31% of his games, and a 7.8% shutout rate with the Phillies. Uh, and then the two were more modern era, the last two guys. Uh, 1992, his first season, he played nine seasons with the Phillies. Kurt Schilling was 101 and 78 with the Phillies with a 3.35. Uh, but you can start seeing how these complete games keep degrading. He only had a 27% of his games were complete games. He had uh, 61 in his career with the Phillies out of 226 starts. And my seventh name on this list is Cole Hamels. He was 114 and 90 with the Phillies with a 3-3 ERA. He made 294 starts. His complete game percentage is only about 4.8%. And he had seven shutouts, which was 2.4% of his starts. And his first season was in 2006. So those are my seven guys. I'm sure there's a couple guys you guys would think should be on the list, and I, I'd be interested to hear it. Uh, I want to twist your arm. Which two are you pulling, Chris? Like, if you had to do a five-man rotation, which two dudes of those are you pulling? Probably. Oh, God. The um, five that are dead? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sorry. They were from the dead arm era. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question. I think uh, I think Chris Short would probably be pulled out for me, and probably Hamels. Okay, those would probably be the two that I would drop off. Yeah, Grover Cleveland, like the amount of complete games him and Roberts did, is amazing, and it's yeah. further amazing that. 
you know, Grover Cleveland was drunk 98% of the game. So I checked that on uh, <laughs> baseballstats.com. I mean, that's pretty amazing. He definitely needs a plaque of some sort, I feel, in the garage because, like, he is, like, I, I don't know if there's anyone that's a bigger load than him. Um, <laughs> yeah, 219 complete games out of 280 starts with the Phillies. Oh, and then, like you said, like, Roberts, Roberts had 272 out of 472. So more than half of his starts, you know, were complete games with the Phillies. It's yep. just crazy, crazy. Now you, you're lucky, like you said, two-time Cy Young winner, uh, Nell can't get out of six innings, you know? No. These guys were pitching yeah. four, four-man rotations um, and pitching complete games, you know, two times, three times a week sometimes. So mm-hmm. the game has just yeah. changed. You know, it's not just the hitting side that's changed. It's the, the, the game as a whole is so different. Yep. Yeah, like I mean, even, looked, said, even Schilling, 92, you know, starting in 92, 27% of his games were complete games. You just don't, you just don't see it anymore. You just don't see it. Yeah, like Mike For said. Sure, this uh, was with, awesome. I could time. only add, like, Jim Bunning. Like, yeah. was he here? Uh, he was, he, yeah. Like, that was on mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah he was. He's 15th in wins on the Phillies uh, with 89. So he just kind of missed my my list. But I'm gonna, I'll give you his rundown with the Phillies. He was six years here with the Phillies. He had a 2.93 ERA. Uh, pretty right. impressive. Yeah, uh, let's see if I can get to the complete game column here. So he had 65 complete games in out of 208 starts. Almost half. So, yeah, yeah. So he was, yeah. So he was probably, you know, a third of them or so um, were complete games. But yeah, he had good numbers too. He had real good numbers. Yeah. Definitely. But using wins is kind of my barometer. He he was only 15th. Yep. Right. So, yeah. You were much more scientific. I was much more um, – I mean, you hard. could throw Halliday in there, you know. But in reality, so, you know, if you look at his numbers, he only had – he had two good, really good years and two right. mediocre to bad years, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, his two years were unbelievable. His first two years here were off the charts good, you know. And then I think he was in the fours, and then I think his last year he was in the sixes, his ERA. Yeah, he had just he was shot at that point. Yeah, yeah. In more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, no Jason Grimsley. No Jason Grimsley <laughs> on your list. <laughs> he just missed it. He just missed it. Don <laughs> Carmen. <laughs> Don Carmen, Shane Rawley. Yeah, the great, the greatest era. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, great, great list. I, I just, I, yeah, it's a good list. I've, I wrote 13 names down and you had some of them, but like, I just used to love watching DJ and Mulholland pitch and Lee and Oswald, you know, I had yeah, those guys on there just from enjoyment rather yeah, than I think a lot, a lot stats. of great pitchers, but they're, yeah, their numbers with the Phillies, either they weren't here long enough to compile enough or, or, uh, you know, kind of a couple of those guys were, you know, Oswalt was at the end, you know, yep. of his career. Yep. Um, but no, they were great. I mean, yeah, like I said, this list could be way longer. Um, for, for you know, in one year snippets, you could grab anybody and go, wow, that was, you know, he was fun to watch that year. Danny Jackson was great, you know, 93. He was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So Cliff yeah. Lee, I watched Cliff Lee, from man. right behind home plate in Florida at, at Clearwater. Just the sound that the ball made was different. 
Like yeah. I just remember, I will never forget that. Just sounded like, you know, something you were cooking on the stove, zzz, like sizzled in and then pop. Like, like it just, it was just yeah. different. He, he, um, yeah, he leads the Phillies, Cliff Lee, um, strikeouts to, to walk ratio, um, career wise. He's like six and a half strikeouts to walks nice. while he's with the Phillies. Yeah, he's number one. I, I did see that. Uh, Zach Wheeler, wow. number two. In that category, Halliday, Nola, Hamels, and Schilling. So it's all modern era, more strikeouts, more right. power pitching, you know, yeah. in, in, in those years. Uh, eighth on the list, Zach Effling, and Joe Blanton, ninth. I mean, just tells Jelly you the way, game, the way the game's changed. I mean, the only guy Crazy. that kind of – Jim Bunning is seventh. He's he's uh, he's at 3.6, 3. you know, Ks per walk. Um in his career with the Phillies, seventh on that list. But most of them are, are kind of modern era guys, you know. Yeah, and uh, Cliff Lee could hit too. And uh, steal bases. Remember him stealing bases in that snazzy, majestic uh, satin jacket? <laughs> dude had dude had some legs, man. Yeah, good fielder too. I love Cliff, I love Cliff Lee. Yeah, good baseball player. It's a shame how he went out though too. Yeah, and he, and he he doesn't come back, you know. Like you don't you don't see him for the yeah. alumni stuff and kind of no, a weird personality. Faded out. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hey, man, I love the list. I love the discussion. Appreciate it. Yep. Rolling, uh, rolling over to uh, other Chris. Do the Phils already have a closer? Yeah, so this is something like I know there's like, oh, we have to replace that dude and we have to replace the time that he spent in the innings. And I want to take everyone back to like early in the year. Do you remember when like we had a guy who was closing games and it was like, this dude's never going to give up a run because um, he's on the Phillies team right now and he's he's the closer. Like there's no doubt about it. Um, he has it in him. He's the person. Um don't use them in the fifth. Don't use them in the seventh. Use them in the ninth. A hundred percent of the time until he proves he can't. Jose Alvarado is the closer for this team, period, end of story. That's it. There's no need to go outside. Jose Alvarado has the stuff, has the demeanor, has the fire to be a closer. He should be anointed closer. And I don't know why we're even thinking about someone else. Like we have this dude. I want to go down the list of like, Who's in the bullpen right now? And would I consider them closing or would I be comfortable? Maybe like not as a full-time closer, but closing, keeping it alphabetical. Alvarado, yes. Bilotti, absolutely not. Connor Brogdon, no, but I think he might be the guy who's going to fill in uh, that fucking piece of shit's uh, <laughs> innings. Like we forgot about Connor Brogdon, but like this dude, like if he can get his head right, um, I, I think that he's like a viable candidate because he's Ryan Madsen to, you know, Alvarado's yep. Lidge. It, it, it is. Um, Dylan Covey, like, I, I don't know. Like, this dude, like, I feel like, I, I, and Fuck I don't Kobe. know why. <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like Dylan Covey wears drugstore uh, cologne. And I don't know why, and I do not know why, but I just feel like he does. So, Dylan, if Stetson. you don't, I'm sorry, but I feel like you may. 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil devil's advocate for a second. If you go back last year to Dylan Covey's numbers and you take out that one start that he had on the Sunday night baseball game in Atlanta where he got his tits ripped for like eight runs in an inning in the third or whatever the hell it was, his numbers were not bad. I mean, he he he's serviceable in that bullpen. Not not I wouldn't put him in a seventh, eighth, ninth inning role, but Kind of that long guy, you know. If if the starter get goes a short five innings or something, I think yeah. I, I think Kobe can can bridge that sixth, seventh, you know, fifth, sixth inning maybe for you to get get to the back end of the bullpen. You know, I don't. He's not great, but I think he's he's not as bad as his numbers look because I think that one game really inflated inflated everything on him. Yeah, um, no, I. I agree with you, Chris. Like, I think Dylan, there's places for Dylan Kobe's, and he did well for us. Yeah. There's places yeah. for vanilla ice cream, too. Like, that's the way I think of it. <laughs> <laughs> His dollar store cologne, and he comes in in the fifth <laughs> inning, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he has jupe or, like, something from, like, the early 90s. Like, I don't know why he's a jupe guy or maybe Fahrenheit, but, like, I'm feeling like he might be doing that. Um, uh, Sir Anthony. Dude has closer stuff. He has, you know, a 10-cent head if he gets his shit together. Like, this dude has closer stuff. Would I allow him to close? Yeah, of course. Like, he was the closer in waiting. Uh, Hoffman. Absolutely. I think this dude might be the other dude because, like, he was no one. Jeff Hoffman. Best pitcher on the team last year, period. End of story in the bullpen. Like, just, just got, awesome. Just got paid yesterday, too. Yeah. Good. So, you know, he's back and he deserves it. Kirkring, I don't know. Like, would I trust him? Probably not yet, but I would do it. I, I wouldn't trust it long term, but I, I would do it. So what I'm saying is, like, I already named five guys that I would say, like, we should close. We don't need a closer. We need one of these guys that's in the fucking minors to step up and get their head out of their ass. And I'm talking about Connor Brogdon. I'm talking about Bilotti. That's like, those are the type of guys we already have. Let's not go out and pay for someone else. We can keep these people in house. And then maybe at the deadline, you go out and get that Matt Stairs to put you over the top or that pitcher that will put you over the top. Like, I, I just feel like we need to rely on some of these guys that we have in the minors a little bit more. Um, and even if it's like in segue a little bit more, like McKinley Moore, I don't know. This dude's like fucking six ten and throws hard. Like maybe McKinley Moore's the dude that picks up that CG's innings. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to get a bullpen guy that's high priced and we're stuck with. I want to stick with who we have. The bullpen was the greatest asset last year of the team. Why, why would we want to remotely upgrade it when we may have it in, inside? So that's kind of my two cents and, you know, open to feedback here. We can move on. So yeah, um, I'll, I'll just throw in one quick thing, John. Oh, go ahead. Then, I'm sorry. Then make it, then make Alvarado the closer, right? Yeah. We've, we've talked about this before. Just You're the closer. Him, yeah. Don't, don't, I read it somewhere online last week or the week before. Uh, Thompson's going to do closer by committee. It does not work. Everybody that wins championships has this guy they call the closer. If it's Alvarado, fine. If it's Hoffman, fine. If it's Sir Anthony, fine. But you, that, whoever that is, you're the closer. And then you build backwards to, you know, however, whenever the starting pitcher comes out. Just my opinion. Yep. <clears throat> 
Yeah, no, yeah. I, I go ahead, John. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I was just gonna say, I think you need to find, you need to, to you know, <laughs> to have definite roles. You know, what yeah. what you like you said, uh, Alvarado's your closer, Hoffman's your eighth inning guy, Sir Anthony Orion, you're the seventh inning guys, depending on situations. You know. Not not like Hoffman coming in in the fifth inning like he was in a playoff game and being and being burned out. And then when you got to the late inning, you didn't have him. You know he was gone already. He was washed. Like yeah. I think I think you know that that bridge to Lidge. We saw how successful that was with uh, Romero and Madsen and then Lidge. Like those guys knew. You know I'm getting loose in the fifth inning because I know I'm coming in in the seventh. I'm getting loose yeah. in the sixth inning because I know I'm coming in in the eighth. And it was every night and it was boom boom boom. And, you know, Lidge went out and had a perfect season, you know, because he knew when he was going to pitch. They all knew when they were going to pitch. And I, I think that is that this bullpen by committee and we're going to high leverage situation bullshit. I don't want to hear it. I don't I, I want I want the fine rolls seventh, eighth, ninth inning. And those guys, that's the only time they're going to pitch. Yeah, it, it needs to get back to that. And it always was. It was like that across the league for years. And all. some of these teams do committee. Oh, well, we're going to see how this guy does. Oh, well, he doesn't pitch great when it's sunny out and all this shit. And <laughs> I'm Pat Neshack. I don't pitch back to back. And the moisture down here in Miami's too. Like, fuck all that. Like Duke had said, 7th, 8th, ninth. like, boom. Unless unless the dude's gassed and you throw someone in. All right, well, you're going to be the 7th inning guy tonight because dude, dude just like is he's gassed. He pitched like the last two, three nights. But, uh, I mean, I, I agree. There's a name, not as closer, because I would never put this guy as closer, but there, there's a name that kind of faded out, and I, I'm kind of curious as to why. Nick Nelson, man, that that was my dude. The World Series year, he went on a little tear there. When Was was the World Series year, Wheeler was out for a little while, right, during the season? And Nick yes. Nelson was filling in. Yeah. Like he was coming yeah. in and uh, pitching some innings and stuff. Uh, you know, like br- bridging the gap, like middle relief. He had a great, and then he dipped off, and then he was left off the roster. And then last year he was in AAA, but he pitched great in AAA last year, and they never called him up, and I never understood why. I'd rather see Nick Nelson up here than a Soto. I, I, I'm going to say it. I, I'm not a Soto fan. I'd rather see Nelson up here over Soto, over Marte, over Boati. Like, it's another name you could he, – he's an – Another long relief guy you could throw in there with Strom, not the gas Strom out. You could throw so, Nick Nelson in there for two, three innings. The, but uh, the, yeah, I I agree. You got to de- define the role. Just this is our guys, and that's who we're rolling with. We have a we have a situation I was reading about in with the bullpen in particular, but also a little bit with um, some of our bench guys where they're out of options, and so sending. Soto down is not an option because you'll have to um, clear waivers and he probably won't. And so there was a lot of guys like that. There was a long list of guys. um, And so Sosa was another one, uh, you know, Amanda Sosa. So um, I think that's Nick Nelson is the one that suffers for that because he's, he still has options to go back and forth. And so if something emergency happens, they can go and get him from triple a. Right. But it, they did, it didn't last year. So they didn't go and get him because of how the situation they have with folks that are out of options. So uh, just keep that in the back of your mind too. 
Yeah, it makes sense. I, I kept tabs on him all last year. I'm like, why is he up here? I don't know if it makes sense. But I mean, yeah, I, I could see where you're coming from with that. It definitely makes sense with the guys with no options or, or little to none. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate that discussion, Chris. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how I ran into this, but um, I I guess just somewhere online I uh, I ran into um, this game that we're the uh, special game we're gonna have between the uh, Giants and the Cardinals, and I I just this coming uh, June, and I just wanted to give a quick um, a quick recap of where they're playing and, and preview it basically and, and, and do a little bit of history. It's super fascinating. So just the guys on, on our call here and, and anybody on that's listening, if you want to throw it in the chat, what's the oldest ballpark in the United States? I'm going to go Dugan first. Uh, either Fenway or Wrigley, I would say. John. Yeah, I would say Fenway. Chris. Well, this ain't fair because I know it, so I don't want to. I don't want to burst your bubble. <laughs> no, say it because because. Well, I'm I mean, maybe I it. don't know it. I, I would think it's Rickwood. It's Rickwood Field. So when they tore down Old Kamitsky, um, I think in '91, I think they said it became the oldest park in the United States. So I just want to throw a little history uh, at you guys. This place is opening day was August 18th of 1910. It's in Burlington, Alabama, which back in uh, that time frame when they were building this park and then uh, and then opening it, it was nicknamed the Magic City because it was just a boom of growth back then um, around uh, Burlington, Alabama. Um, they their team was called the Coal Barons. Uh, a lot of coal uh, mining in that area, and there was a young guy in his twenties. His name was Rick Woodward. Um, while he's in his 20s, he purchases the coal barons. He thinks that, um, you know, there's going to be a, a big boom in baseball. Um, he's banking on it, basically. And uh, Mr. Woodward, he, he dives into to building this field, and he drew inspiration from Forbes Field in Pittsburgh, where he fell in love with the steel and concrete built stadium. And a little local connection um one of his mentors was connie mack and connie mack uh he bounced ideas off of for designs for rickwood uh field uh, back then this facility was state-of-the-art um, it drew record crowds um the barons um were really competitive back then they had a lot of uh up-and-coming uh minor league players and because of this stadium that um, Mr. Woodward built, um, the if you think about the first class of the um, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, Cobb, Matheson, Johnson, Wagner, and Ruth, they all came to visit this stadium and play exhibition games there because this stadium was it back then. Um, so as uh, the you know, United States kind of adopted baseball as its national pastime. The crowds continued to fill Rickwood field. Um, but as you guys know, in um, the South in Birmingham in particular, um, there was a lot of Jim Crow segregation laws 
And that kept a lot of the talented black players from joining leagues. And that's what inspired the Negro leagues to be formed. So as the Negro leagues are being formed, especially in Birmingham, um, they, they um, built the team called the black Barons. So the coal Barons became the Barons and the um, Negro league team was the black Barons. And what <laughs> Mr. Uh, Woodward would do is when the Barons were away, he would schedule the black barons and vice versa. And so most days uh, the park was filled with um, baseball fans. If both teams were away, then um, he would book concerts or in the off season, he would host football games uh, for Alabama and Auburn. Um, in 1936, Mr. Woodward installed lights and Rickwood became one of the first ballparks in the entire United States to have night games. So pretty cool there. People could come out after work, watch their, um, their heroes in the forties, the black Barons won three championships with all kinds of, of Negro league stars, but none brighter than a 17 year old Willie Mays. Mays helped the black Barons also to win their only world series in 1948. Uh, conversely, at the same time, the Barons also won the Southern Association Championship uh, in a banner year for Birmingham baseball in 1948. So then throughout the 50s, uh, the barriers began to fall around the country between black and white players, and Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. Birmingham, unfortunately, uh, continued to be a hotbed for prejudice and violence, so much so that in 1962, the Barons did not field an integrated um, team because the Southern League uh, became integrated. Um, Mr. Woodward was then really uh, instrumental in rallying the town around baseball, and he took down the segregation signs in the bleachers. And in 1964, an integrated team played at Rick Woodfield. Over the next three decades, countless of stars graced Rickwood Field until it was leased to the city's Board of Education in 1987 for high school baseball and football. Check this stat out. Of the 351 members of the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, 181 of them have either played, managed, umpired, or led a team at Rickwood Field. I mean, how cool is that? Wow. Um, so... I kind of previewed it in the beginning, but why do I tell you all this? Um, I think it's a really huge tribute uh, this summer that Major League Baseball is doing to the Negro Leagues. June 20th, the Giants and the Cardinals will play at this historic field, and um, I'm going to have to probably lean on John to find out what channel to watch it on, but I definitely want to be there uh, to see where all those Hall of Famers have been and all that history has occurred. So stay tuned for uh, the, this podcast when that game is played and we'll definitely review it then. So just a little history around Rickwood field and what's coming up this June. Awesome. Mike, I thought that was awesome. awesome. One of the things I was wondering is like, you know, wouldn't it have been a little bit cooler if uh, they did it on Jackie Robinson day and they had the Dodgers right. play the guardians like Larry Doby and Jackie Robinson. I don't know. Like, to me, the Cardinals and Giants don't scream like, you know, like the, the it, yeah. Cardinals and Cubs. Absolutely. I think they missed right. the boat a little bit on who they had there, but that's the only negative I have to say. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Uh, you, you're, you may be more excited for it. 
Yeah, I I could not find a single reasoning point on the teams. And to your point, I agree with you that they could have done a little bit better job with uh, who was actually going there. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Well, we are uh, an hour and 20 in, guys. I'm going to do some comments and then uh, we'll go around the horn and and say goodnight to everybody. So, um, looks like. Yeah, Frank DeLuca, um, they have high hopes for Sanchez. This is back when we were talking about uh, the rotation. Um, and Scott says Bauer doesn't have the right attitude to play in Philly. I don't know if I agree with that. I think he's I a hard I ass. I, yeah. I, I think he's a hard ass. I think I yeah, think I, right I think in. I think he'd, he'd fit right in. I think he's just right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think this – Frank's uh, other comment here, give him a two-year incentive-laden contract. I think that fits in with, you know, what John and, and Dugan were talking about earlier. Yeah. And also uh, an ethic and moral-laden contract just in <laughs> case he wants to act up, right? You know what I mean? Well, you have to do that. You can yeah. do that for definitely, sure. Definitely so small print in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bud wants us to post the link. I'm not sure which link, but we'll we'll post the Phillies it's probably the tickets. Um, tickets probably yeah. As soon as we get that, um, that'll be yeah. all over our social media, and we'll put it on this podcast uh, as soon as we get the link. It, and it, it sounds like Chris, based on the response that we got, right? There should be plenty of plenty of tickets available in those sections. For, for yeah, so basically, it's 301 to section 310. You pick what section you want to sit in. You're picking the seats. You're paying directly to the Phillies. We're not getting anything out of it, other than like we're all going to hang out, right, um, and go to a game. But it's going to be real simple, just like you're buying tickets from them uh, normally. But it sounded like Chris. It sounded like there was like 30 here, 120 here, 500 in this section. So we're we're, we're yeah. totally fine. Yeah. Yep. Cool. I just don't want um, people like, worrying they're going to sell out, you know. I don't think, you know, they're going to be in that area and we'll, we'll all be in those those sections we'll be around. Yeah. 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 I well, like we Alex. want you to buy them sooner than later though. Too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. If you want to go, go. Uh and whoever yeah. is um on our social media the other day saying they're flying in, book your tickets now. It's <laughs> it's uh, May 18th. Happening. Uh, I like this uh comment from Alex. Cratch should replace Stalker. I don't disagree after that interview, but I what I totally agree with is we need someone to replace Stalker. Yeah, yeah. wasn't Kratz um, one of the four guys a couple of years ago that he was? Yeah. Was he? Yeah. It, it was, was Kratz, Kratz, Durbin. Kratz, Durbin, and uh, Mushmouth, uh, Michael Board, and um, Stalker. Stalker. Yeah. yeah, I like both Durbin yeah. and Kratz. I thought they both were good. Yeah. I don't know how Stalker got the fucking job. I have no fucking idea. He's horrendous. Like, honestly, horrendous on there. Speaking of Durbin, wonder... Durbin follows me on Twitter. I, I shot him a message. He hasn't got back to me yet. I'm hoping to try to get him on here. I think uh, probably because you're a deadbeat dad. I don't know. Like... <laughs> <laughs> maybe Stocker wanted like to that. lose money. I don't know. Real... <laughs> oh, maybe that is it. Like... Yeah. Uh, we were talking, or Dugan was talking about complete games. Um, a friend of Chris and mine that we play with at Textile, uh, Bob said he thinks 95% of my games were complete games. I, but that's just because I'm stubborn and I wouldn't come out. I told my coach no. <laughs> um, 
What songs are we singing DPF night? I don't know. Well, we like, got high hopes for sure. That's at the end, right? Yeah. Maybe we'll make something up. I don't know. Maybe we'll do like Atsanola together. Okay. That would be good. <laughs> there you go. I hope we can retire that song this year and he doesn't give up so many <laughs> fucking bombs. <laughs> that would be too. good too. I'm, John's, John's bringing his big uh, tailgate speaker. I brought it over to Chris's car to, the one time at, at, before the game. Later. Yeah. Nancy, like your uh, list, Dugan. Nice job. She's my favorite DPFer, Nancy. (laughs) I don't get the Walker hate. Fourth starter numbers. I mean, we didn't hate Walker, but he didn't pitch in the playoffs. So clearly, the organization has some sort of issue with him. Yeah. Fourth starter numbers, but not fourth starter money. That's what I was going to say. The money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth starter. That's yeah, one, yeah. one of those. And I think that's, that's the like, handcuff is the money. That's like number two money, maybe even number one on some teams. So, Dugan, your your uh, segment's getting a lot of um, love. So, Bud watched short pitch, and Nancy says, Robin Roberts was also a great guy, lived in Abington Township where I grew up. His wife was a substitute teacher. That should tell you something about contracts back then. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I think Steve just stumbled out of a um, brewery because he hasn't. He usually is uh, more uh, active on the comments. We have to really <laughs> rely on the miners with the bullpen so that we can save some money. Uh, okay, it's not my money though. Yeah. Hey, they got, uh, pl- they got plenty of it. Uh, John, any info about Aiden Miller? I, I'm here, and he's like one of the his name's coming up a lot. I just read something. Uh, I was busy at work today, but I read a little. I got to dive into it later. A uh, little clip that um he's gonna be rising very quickly. I don't know. I mean, you still gotta see, you know, yeah. uh, you know, after you know camp and you know as he gets into the season. But I heard from one. People, people around the league are talking, and in, in the organization, people see him as he's going to rise very quickly. Don't know where they're going to put him, but I mean, who knows? There you go. We'll get some, David. We'll get some more info and bring it back in a, in another uh, podcast. Yeah, I'll Steve said the start digging. <laughs> Steve said the Black Barons have more rings in the forties than we do overall. <laughs> <laughs> Papa John, give me a little love. Thank you, Papa John. I can't. Why can't I get his thing to work? Uh, there we go. Um, no P words. Uh, he did that earlier. I skipped it. <laughs> and Nancy. <laughs> so. Um, as we hit the almost 90 minute mark, I'll, uh, I'll just say, Hey, happy new year to everybody. And, um, I'll kick it over to you guys. Uh, Dugan, anything to wrap it up? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I can't wait for baseball. That's all I can say. I'm, I'm getting, uh, a little, uh, stir crazy being in the house. The Eagles aren't playing great. So that, that makes it even worse. Um, but for all the Eagles fans out there, go birds. Hopefully they give us at least one more week of football by winning Monday night. Uh, Thanks for watching.
John? Yeah, I just uh, I can't wait for MLB, but um, I'm thankful that I've gotten to watch the Arizona Fall League and the Australian League all this time, and the Australian League playoffs start in a couple weeks, so that'll just go right into spring training. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I I can't wait for baseball to, to start. And real quick, happy birthday to Charlie Emanuel, man! Uh, I saw it was his birthday the other day. Yo, it's I'm so glad to see him up and about and starting to, you know, I hope to see him at spring training and, um, you know, before the season, come out for the season and all. You know, just I know the dude loves being at the ballpark. Uh, if you're watching, Uncle Child, I don't know if you watch us, but if you watch us, we love you, man. I could speak on behalf of all DPFers, man. Uh, 100%. So glad you're, you're looking good and uh, being healthy and, 80 more, brother. Chris, you want to bring us home? Uh, sure. So we've been working as a team incredibly hard to get the merch store up and running. Uh, I went on and like when we put stuff up, we order it ourselves. We make sure the process is seamless. We're making sure it looks good. Like we got in uh, the mugs today, the tumblers, 20 ounce. They are live right now. Uh, drunkphilsfans.com if you're on the facebook page it's right on the shop button so you go to our profile um and just hit that so show us some love i'm going to tell you i'm not easily impressed um but i love this mug at this tumbler it is awesome like the colors are just so vibrant um beautiful uh that being said thanks everyone for watching and listening uh, I want to give a special fuck you this week to someone who's the biggest piece of shit in Philly sports history, and that's Cutter Gautier. You know what? You're an absolute piece of shit for saying you wanted to be here. Let our guys go and uh, uh, draft you and then one out of here and say, you know, it's not for here. You're an absolute piece of shit. Fuck you, Cutter Gautier. Fuck you, Joe Carter. Uh, fuck you, Nell Carter. Um, fuck you, uh, <laughs> Billy Wagner. I, you know, and, and no, most of on. all, and finally, fuck the Mets. Uh, I cannot wait to just be with all of you oh. in the garage or at the game and yell, fuck the Mets. So, um, have a good oh. night. Thanks for tuning in and listening, everyone. Thanks, everybody. All right. Good night.